0: This is episode 55 of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hey, thanks so much for being here for this episode of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am so glad you are joining us because for the month of March, we are diving into a new series on cultivating a healthy body as moms. We this is a continuation of the series we started last month that was about having a healthy mind, and we finished that series as we wrapped up February, and it was so awesome. There is going to be a link on the website which I'll put in the show notes for this episode that you will be able to go and see everything that we shared in February and it's definitely worth checking out. But today, like I said, we are changing gears and talking about bodies more than the health of our minds and today's conversation is just so rich and good it's really vulnerable to talk about bodies and uh, dive into what it looks like to cultivate strength after all that our bodies have been through in having our children so I have Jenny Van Winkle and Robin Chapman for the first half of the show sharing some of their experiences and how they have navigated this topic and then the second half of the show I have one of our writers and residents Rachel Blackston who is a mama and licensed counselor and she has some really great perspective about tackling shame. So today's episode really is about trading shame for strength and I hope that it's something that brings you a lot of encouragement as it has for me. Thanks so much for listening and we'll just dive in right away. We're jumping into a new series for the month of March on Kindred Mom focusing in on what it looks like to pursue health in a very physical way. Our series is titled Healthy Body. And this first episode, we're gonna be talking about treating shame for strength and just the huge challenge that it is to be healthy as moms with all the demands for our time and attention. And I am really pleased to have Jenny Van Winkle and Robin Chapman here to chat with me as we dig into this topic. Hey ladies. Hello.
1: Hey, it's so good to be here.
0: Yeah, well I just always love when we get together for these conversations because we never know exactly where they're going to take us and I also just love how it brings up the most honest stuff that we're going through in our everyday lives and so I'd love to kick this one off by just talking about your own approach and thought process as we have launched into this series. I know we have been behind the scenes handling the essay submissions that come in for our blog, as well as just writing ourselves and thinking, reflecting on the topic of what it looks like to be a healthy mom. So I'd love to hear from both of you about specifically what a healthy body and pursuit of a healthy body looks like in your world. Well, for me, my
1: my body has always been a, a source of contention with me. Yeah. I feel like I've never been able to just be okay with it. Um, that it's mm-hmm. always something I'm fighting with and I want it to look a certain way. And so I'm, I'm always worried about it. And until I started realizing that like that's just my brain talking. That's not my body. Mm-hmm. And if I can just sort of clue in to what my body is actually like, giving me feedback, what's it saying to me? I realize that my body is pretty amazing, <laughs> and it's just like I I never give it the benefit of the doubt because I'm my brain has this like power struggle,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it often wins because it's so loud. And I feel like when I get down to it, my body is really my body has been there through thick and thin mm. and mm-hmm. <laughs> and it keeps coming back for more, you know, like it hasn't failed me. And that's something to be really celebrated. And so when I can figure out how to quiet my mind mm-hmm. and just really check in with what, what's going on with my body, I feel like 10 times happier because my body's just like, hey, it's like this pal that's always there, but it's like, not pretentious and it's just pretty chill. It's like, Hey, I've been missing you. It's so nice to talk to you again, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. you're like a friend that's, you know, you haven't talked to in a long time and you pick up where you left off. So Hmm. it's happy. (laughs) (laughs)
2: And I've, I've struggled with, with my body for my whole life as well. I've been categorized as obese for, uh, well, since I was a baby actually. And that carried a lot of shame, like not fitting into the cultural ideal. And I am just starting to learn to be more thankful for what my body does for me than what, than, than how it looks. And really, as I become more and more thankful for the function, I've found more peace with the form. I'm not entirely sure why that is, but I'm thankful for it. How about you? Em?
0: Yeah, I think body things are kind of a hot topic at my house right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) since Mm I am expecting my seventh baby and I have multiple complicated diagnoses to add Mm -hmm. to that condition. I don't know if I've shared on the podcast yet, but um, I I did share about uh, having a pulmonary embolism at 10 weeks back in September, which has been a new layer of complication to my life. And um, I'm doing really well treating that and getting through the development, the baby's doing well and everything. But recently, I was also diagnosed with gestational diabetes, which is just another, well, didn't really want to deal with that. (laughs) And and, more layers. Uh, yeah. And I mean, it's it's all temporary. It's all treatable. It's all stuff that is going to be okay in the long run. But in the present, you know, it's it has caused me a fair amount of disappointment because I have been working really hard even before the diagnosis to just be as healthy as I can this pregnancy. And, um, you know, part of... This pregnancy, as well as last year and all of the conversations we've had about self-care on the podcast and from our series in January, there's just some pretty huge things going on in my private, reflective world of how I view my body, how I value my body, um, and the fact that I really haven't. For most of my life, I think mm. just the things that I've been through have led me to a place where I've always been pursuing wholeness, which has for me looked like a um, very abstract heart related thing and I just really have left my body in the dust to be like yeah you can catch up later
2: <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like
0: I am emotionally right. doing well I am spiritually doing well and I am physically just figuring out how not well I have been and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not so much um, you know needing to look a certain way it's just realizing that There are, I mean, I actually don't really care what I look like, if I'm really honest. I'm one of those weird women who doesn't really pay a lot of attention to the mirror, doesn't really, I'm just not, that's not what consumes my thoughts or defines who I see myself to be. But as I have run into these limitations where my body isn't really showing up for me in the ways that I have expected it to on many years of chronic sleep deprivation and um, (laughs) not properly nourishing or strengthening or rebuilding after having so many babies, like my core strength and stuff. Um, It's very humbling to just see that this the physicality of my body is something that requires care and I'm still in the middle of this so it's kind of messy it's mm-hmm. kind of um, mm-hmm. uncomfortable for me to talk about in a way because I'm like good at lots of other things right. but body things are not what I'm good at so right. Um, right that's kind of where I am and that's one reason I'm looking forward to this series because it's I'm hoping to gain from the stories and experiences of other moms and just, I don't know, I, I think I have mentally come to a place where I see my body is worthy of care and I do have to work at this. It's not going to be easy, but I still am fighting that in a very visceral way. <laughs> I don't want to have to do all the hard things. And, so many um, Yeah. So that's where I'm coming from.
2: Yeah. I heard, um, and I wish I, I wish I had a reference for this. I don't remember who said it, but, um, I heard somebody talk at one point about our, our body's needs being just a way that we were reminded how dependent we are. Um, and looking at, looking at those needs, not as, not as an annoyance, but as a, as a, as a gift and a reminder. Um, and that, that's something that, as I've dealt with my own sleep stuff and and everything else, has, and like even just learning to be okay with my own hunger cues, that's something that has been helpful to me as I kind of work through all my stuff.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's an incredibly personal thing, and I I am. Seeing with fresh eyes women who have really prioritized their fitness and their health mm-hmm. and all that stuff, because it used to just be like, Yeah, 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 I've got other things to do. <laughs> right, right. And that, that might be great for you, but you know, I don't know. It's just something I've kind of avoided because I didn't want to deal yeah. with it. And I, I think when you're younger, I mean, I had my first baby when I was 23. Mm-hmm. And so. I bounced back from that pretty easily and it wasn't really a yeah. big thing. Mm-hmm. But now I'm 35 and I'm having a seventh baby, which is not exactly the normal number of children. Right. And, <laughs> you know, there's just a lot that's happened in the last 12 years. And so I just feel like, for me, the shame that I feel in engaging this topic is really just that somehow I have ignored or like just how could I not have seen the importance of this earlier I guess right Right. it's kind of like this is a duh
1: thing like I live in my body how could I have not not paid any attention to it up until now Yeah. yeah and I feel like we can really hurt ourselves and you know the shame comes in when we when we consider I'm a smart capable human being yeah I should be able to, you know, have a, a handle on what's happening in my uh, in my own physical body. Mm-hmm. But yet, these are my actual struggles. And I feel like we have to get past the whole I'm stupid or I'm not smart Seriously? enough thing and move on to I just haven't been paying attention. And now, like, I have an awareness of something that I wasn't aware of. And awareness is a huge part of mm-hmm. the battle. Yeah. If you can be aware of what you need to change, then you can take steps because you are smart and you, you are capable. So I just think that that's really not something to wallow in and not knowing what your, what your problem
0: is, is (laughs) you
2: know, not trying to figure that out. My big
0: epiphany this last week has honestly been that the reason I don't like talking about it or like doing something about it is because the kind of challenge that it brings to me is just not one that I feel confident tackling. And, you know, I've had just a few stretches of time that I've had a lot of success with being, active and eating well and like in a bigger picture for a whole year, really um, taking my health seriously. And a lot of the rest of the time, I've honestly just had my head down in the motherhood years, trying to take care of everyone else to the point of completely neglecting and ignoring my own... It is. And, you know, I think whatever size household you have, like the needs of a child are enormous. And they're and it's loud so easy
2: and immediate. To
0: become, <laughs> yes. And so, so easy to become hyper-focused on the pouring out and the giving and the doing and the sacrifice, which is so beautiful and lovely that mothers do that just out of love. But I just you know, it has really blindsided me this past year to recognize the importance of not only investing in our emotional well-being, our mental health, but the very physical nature of our bodies because we don't get a different body. You know, this is the one we have. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's where I'm at with that. And just, I don't know if you guys have, I Ideas you want to share, thoughts you want to share about motherhood and bodies, because there's so much. I mean, there's so much that happens as we grow a baby, give birth, recover after that sort of traumatic event, maybe really traumatic event for some people, yeah, yeah and probably more traumatic than
1: we yes. yeah. than we think, right? Like, it's yeah, a major we tend to yeah. minimize <laughs> that,
2: but it's kind of. Like there's a person on the inside and our body somehow magically transports it to the outside or gets a hole cut in it so somebody else can yeah. transport <laughs> it to the outside. It's madness.
0: Yes. Well, just, yeah. I just, I feel like part of, I mean, I had this funny moment after my first baby was born where I literally thought that I was just going to wear the clothes that I had before I had a baby oh, again. That, that's <laughs> cute. Then, How did that work out? And, well, I went shopping in the junior section a couple <laughs> times and I would go to like Gathered the clothes that I thought were so cute that I was going to try on in the dressing room. And nothing was like fitting, of course, because (laughs) I have, you know, a newfound shape that does not jive with the junior (laughs) section. And uh, I don't know, it was just such a... A funny moment that I I remember kind of fondly because then, I mean for me because my first baby came when I was so young right. there was a little bit of an element where I just didn't really feel like a total grown up yet right. <laughs> like
2: like that just I'm not ready
0: yeah. I'm not ready to shop in the misses section I'm sorry um, that, that anyway, just
2: I, that just strikes me as totally adorable,
0: <laughs> <laughs> aww, <laughs> little Emily. Oh my goodness! I mean, there's there's
1: a real like. You you had said at one point, Emily, that that mothers are are born alongside their mm-hmm. children. And when you have a child that you that you become a mother and that's something that's brand no. new. And I just really loved that statement because it just sort of encapsulates this this idea of you know, I've done this thing. Like I, I've ha- I had, I've had two pregnancies, one that was a twin pregnancy and it was high risk and there was all kinds of things. And it was, it was very monitored and everything. And my last pregnancy with my daughter was like a whole new ball of wax. Mm-hmm. And with her pregnancy, I really wanted to experience natural childbirth because that was just sort of a, A want Mm -hmm. a, a desire that I had and I experienced it and I got through it. And I was like on the other side of that going, well, I can really do a lot more in this body with, with determination and strength that I didn't really know that I had until this moment, until this moment in time. And I feel like even if you haven't had a natural childbirth you're still birthing a, a human being and your body is doing something in the gestation in the birth and in the in the months and years afterward that nobody else can do and it's radical and it's amazing and when you start thinking about like nobody else can do this just saying that is is empowering because you can, even though there's so many things when they're on the outside and you're like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And it, and it's like, you can, you really can.
2: It's just, it's floored me. It's, I mean, it it takes a, it takes a toll, right? Like I think I've mentioned before on the podcast that I did back-to-back pregnancy, breastfeeding and pregnancy, like overlapping for eight years. And it just like, if you, if you wind up breastfeeding, it's just another thing that your body figures out how to cope with. Like, you know, you grow a human and then you I don't know export the human from your body and then you continue to grow this tiny human and it takes so much energy and uh, like just physical calories and it and it takes a lot of mental and emotional strength to do it floors me really the strength that we have as women to do the things again whether you're whether you're breastfeeding or not whether you actually give birth or not like adoptive moms have their own set of wow it's just incredible to me what our bodies manage for us.
1: Right. And then we go around we go on the opposite end of that. You know, like Emily was saying, I shopped in the junior section, <laughs> you know, thinking that I could just hop back into yeah. my way of life and that we wouldn't have any evidence in our physical shape, that there was ever right. a person inside it, you know, that there was ever this transformation. Like, how how unfair is that <laughs> to our bodies when we have gone through this huge thing and then to be like, oh well, never mind, we don't <laughs> need to have any evidence of that. You could wear it. You could wear. It. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm it's proud just of myself like-
2: for making cookies from scratch, and like, I, I expect my body to be like. <laughs> No big deal about making a person from scratch. It's weird,
1: right? Or somehow that we're just like, no, we've we we can't we can't showcase this. We have to get back to the way we used to be and the way we used to look. And we're gonna be forever changed because there are now these people that rely on us. I mean, if we're just forever changed in that regard, but we have the evidence, so we should celebrate that a little bit more than we do.
0: Yeah, I think being aware of how sneaky shame is, is really an important part of finding strength and finding value uh, for our bodies. And, you know, for me, I I didn't realize that I had this shame about this because I'm not really a mirror focused person. And, you know, I don't have a lot of self-esteem issues wrapped up in my physical appearance. But There is still threads of not valuing myself for the place that I'm in, the shape that I'm in. There are two sides of this. I mean, I think as I've had as many pregnancies as I've had, Mm -hmm. there has been a lot of times where during pregnancy I feel so purposeful, I feel so useful. My body is. I'm amazing. I like mm-hmm. how I look when Super I'm pregnant, cool. <laughs> you know, I, and <laughs> especially because when I'm not pregnant, there's still right. like so much evidence that I once was pregnant that I just, you know, like if if I'm going to have a pooch out the front, it might as well <laughs> be still a with the belly of baby, right? <laughs> 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 and, uh, and I just, um, I don't know, I guess it's something that I would love to see more imagery of women with real bodies, you know, especially mother bodies. And, you know, in other spaces, not that we need to, like, glorify, you know, stretch marks or make this, like, the new hot right. fad thing. But just <laughs> see it, it as... So right? People are tattooing stretch marks on for, for yes. fashion. That would be great. That would be But awesome. just to see it as a very normal <laughs> thing that every mother experiences changes in her body Mm -hmm. one way or another. (laughs) And um, to just quit having to focus on these images of airbrushed supermodels that don't even look like Magazine in their real lives, either, (laughs) you know? Right. So, well, let's talk a little bit about self image because I think that has a huge bearing on our well being. It's just how we view ourselves as well as the messages we end up sending to our children about themselves. I think self image is one of those things that is. Very intertwined with our thoughts and our everyday, because we can't escape our bodies. So, where are you guys at with self-image? It varies
2: from day to day. Um, like I said, I've, I'm mm-hmm. kind of as I focus more and more on gratitude for what my body does, I am having less, I'm having fewer issues with the way that it looks, and I'm, I'm actually coming to a a better place of acceptance of, of how I look. But then there are also days where I'm still see myself in the mirror and be like, Whoa, okay. That's, um, wiggly.
3: Um, my kids will like come up and like
2: grab my belly and like squish it a lot. And I'm like, yep, that's, there it is. They're like, your tummy's squishy. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yes, it sure is and then I like blame the babies I'm like yeah I put there were a lot of babies that grew on that belly although like truth be told I had a belly before they were there but you know it's a it's a handy excuse yeah
1: yeah it's the it's the honesty of a child (laughs) before I even have children like before I was even married to my husband we were dating we had dated a long long time and he had he has a really younger brother and he was a like a preschooler at the time. It was like a way long time ago. And he, I'm sitting next to him and I'm reading him a story and he starts poking my leg. And he's just like, looks up at me and he just goes, Jenny, wash your legs. (laughs) And I was like mortified because I'm like in the best shape I have ever been in my entire yeah. life. And I'm like, well, apparently that's not good enough for this kid. He's not going, wow, your legs are super strong. And it was like he's just, a he's preschool and he's being yeah. really honest. And we have to have that same kind of, it is what it is. And my kids are, when, when they'll wrestle with their dad on the floor and they are like looking at his belly button and comparing his belly button to their belly buttons and innies and outies. And they want to see my belly button. And I'm kind of like, Oh, (laughs) please don't ask me. Please don't ask me. Please don't, please don't lift up my shirt. And, and part of me is like, Mm -hmm. just be brave and just show it and just, and, and just say this is my belly Mm -hmm. button and then let the comments come and, and just, not take it so personal, but it's so hard. Like I, I still struggle so much with self image and I strive to be kind to myself for the most part. I really do try to be kind to myself, but there are those moments, there are those underlying things Mm -hmm. where it's just like, but I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I want my ideal self to be. And it bothers me that I have that image in my head, but on the other side, I do appreciate having something to strive yes. for because I don't want to just be complacent. I want to work toward, you know, being healthy and that comes with a mental shift, not necessarily a physical shaping, although that there's part of that to it. But I think that mostly it, for me, self-image comes with a mental a mental kindness about my body. Well, and
0: I think you're really like onto something there, Jen, because I think there's a difference between being discontent with the body that we have and being aware that our body needs care and You know, Mm -hmm. I think we talked about contentment in November, which not specifically about bodies and stuff, but there's some good um, podcast episodes about that. Just identifying, you know, I think discontent is one of those things that stirs up a lot of extra negativity that maybe initially is just supposed to be an indicator that, hello, this body needs rest. Hello, this body fuel Mm -hmm. this body needs to move, you know, that is supposed to propel us Mm -hmm. forward to a place of health. But if you layer this extra stuff on it, whether it's the shame or discontent or poor self image, any, I mean, that can go a lot of directions depending on the person, but there's just a lot of extra heaviness and baggage that comes with being disgusted with what we see, one of the gifts of my journey thus far is that i just i have not valued myself and invested in my own health in ways that i wish that i would have had i known at 23 that chasing a toddler is not adequate (laughs) exercise. (laughs) It's not. Yes, you're exhausted Mm. and yes, you're moving your body, but it's not the same kind of intention. It's not the same kind of movement. And trust me, I've been doing this for 12 (laughs) years now, chasing toddlers and and I'm paying the price (laughs) because I haven't taken just a little bit of time out of my week to Rebuild my strength and to think about that fitness piece, and so my my hope is that other moms will hear the heart in this is not to make you feel bad that maybe you are in the same place that I am in, but to just see that we have choices to make. I mean, right now I'm trying to treat this gestational diabetes and. It is not a choice. I have to deal with it, or I'm not, I'm risking not having a healthy birth and a healthy baby. I'm not willing to do that. And so now that kind of my feet are held to the fire, like, okay, I can find 10 minutes to walk after a meal if I have to. (laughs) And It's amazing what we can do when we're pushed to it. Yeah, And it's just the kind of thing that I just, I don't want it to be this extra burden. That's like, you have to do this or you're not a good mom, but to roll back the curtain a little bit further than that and just see that you are so worthy of care is that's the message I'm trying to embrace for myself because it's really hard to get that into my mind when I've spent so many years trying to need as little as possible and ask as little as possible and do as little as possible for myself out of this noble desire to serve my family, which is lovely in a way, but not really wise. That's my little piece about that. And I just, I think that what mothers accomplish in the pouring out of their families is Absolutely exquisitely beautiful. I just think that we need to remember that our children still need us when they're beyond the toddler years, they need us to be well enough to stay engaged with them. Like right now, my kids are taking a little bit of a hit from my attention because of how much extra time I have to spend just Mm -hmm. getting things back in order over here. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. they will be fine. I don't have shame on myself about that, but I do wish that I had done it a little differently and at least more incrementally cared for myself replenished myself so that you know they could have more of the best of me and not just all right guys you just chill out while I take care of these things and yeah I mean the motherhood gig is a short one but it's also a
1: like you're gonna be a mother for the rest of your life yeah. and there's a long game involved too and to not consider the long term, and how you want to be when your children aren't like in your house anymore or, in you know, in meeting you in such really like immediate ways. How lively do you want to be? And you still, like you were saying, you have to invest in that and you have to, you have to envision that and sort of keep that as the care right. in front of you. Like, I want to be an active old lady. I want to have, like, I want to have a really flexible back and I want strong, healthy lungs and a heart and that pumps and works and does all the things can I want to be able to move and I want to be alive. And I have to have that be the carrot that I'm chasing. Not not There's the I have that. to just get through this day, although there is a lot of that. But if I have the ability to look beyond. Mm-hmm. That's my real
2: motivation. Yeah. One of the things that helped me bridge the gap when I wasn't quite able to think as, as long-term as like, I want to be a, I want to be a sprightly old lady. Yeah. Although I do, I, you know, everybody knows those ladies and they're awesome. They're so fun. But when I wasn't able to do that, the thing that was the thing that was really motivating to me, the thing that initially motivated me to start shifting some, some things in the way that I saw myself was I had two daughters first, and then I had a, had a little boy and another little girl. But anyway, the two girls came first and there was one day, not too long after the second one was born, I was talking to my sister. I'd ordered a bunch of jeans from old Navy because he has time to go try it on in store and I'm tall anyway, Mm -hmm. whatever. And I was, Pulling them on and pulling them off, trying them on in the kitchen with my sister there. And my sister Becky was like, well, you don't have to unbutton them. And I'm like, no, I mean, like the way that I'm shaped, that's not really a big deal. It's kind of a pain because it's it's a little bit like trying to get pants to stay on the bottom third of a ball. Um, (laughs) and, And she's like, you know, and I didn't I didn't mean anything by it. It's just like it's a part of my shape that I've come to accept. But Jenna, so she's like one and a half took a shower with me not very long after. And she's like, I don't have a butt. I have a ball, just like you. (laughs) And I was like, oh, Oh, wow. I didn't even realize you were in the room. And I said something about my body. And now you're saying the same thing about yours. So even, even when I wasn't quite ready to be thinking super long term, I was like, I have these little female brains with these little female bodies and i i have a lot of influence in how how they think about themselves and as i have a little boy now too like how he sees how he sees women is very largely informed by me as well and like i don't want him to see me constantly striving for talking about the 10 more pounds that I have to lose, exactly. but they do see me exercising all the time. And they, they like grab little weights and work out with me. And they're like, I'm getting healthy and strong. Like mommy, that is mm-hmm. the best compliment. My body still doesn't fit the cultural ideal, but they don't know that they're just excited to be getting strong like me. And they, they like doing yoga next to me and it's adorable and mm-hmm. pretty funny actually, but yeah.
0: Well, that's awesome. And thank you for sharing, Robin. We'll have to wrap up because our time is running out, but this goes has been fast. an awesome conversation. And yeah, goes fast. <laughs> I just appreciate you both for the vulnerable sharing. I mean, talking about body image and talking about our bodies in general is not easy. It's vulnerable. And it's really, I'm really grateful for what you have shared. So thanks. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Yeah. Well, we are in the second month of our Healthy Mom series, and for the month of March, we're going to be focusing in on healthy body and what it looks like to pursue health as a very physical manifestation in the ways that we move, the ways that we um, nurture and heal our bodies from Early Motherhood, and I'm really pleased to have Rachel Blackston with me today, who is one of our current writers in residence for our community. Rachel,
3: welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Emily. It is such a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, we're so glad to have you. And because people may not be familiar with you yet, even though you have appeared on the podcast before and have been sharing on our blog with some of your writing, I would love for you to introduce yourself and your family and just a little bit about your personal story.
3: Yes. Um, well, I am here in Orlando, Florida. So it's it's a little bit warmer than most of the country is right now. Um, we, My husband and I, um, we are both therapists. Actually, we um, own a, a counseling practice together. And mm-hmm. we have three beautiful daughters, um, six, four, and two. Um, and we actually went through a struggle with infertility. So... Um, I am 40 and I have a two-year-old. And so the other day, I was looking at my anti-aging cream and trying to figure out if it was breastfeeding safe. So I feel like I yeah. have one arm like yeah. reached into middle age and um, also in the young child phase. Um, so it's, it's a bit of an adventure, but it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I'll bet that is different than my experience, but I can understand just feeling like I've got a lot of different things going on here. I'm entering this phase of life and I still have these little ones. And yes, um, well, I am just curious since you mentioned your infertility journey already, if you would be willing to talk about that and maybe how that has impacted your relationship with your body, which is the focus of this episode.
3: Wow. Oh, such a good question. Um, Such a vulnerable question too. I really, um, we went through infertility for a little over three years. And the question that just really was in my heart Um, during that time in relation to my body was this question of why won't my body do the thing that I long for it to do, the thing that I felt like it was designed to do. And I really, really struggled with that. And then we ended up actually going through the process of IVF. And so that involved a lot of shots in the stomach and egg retrieval, just having my hormones very, very high. So my body really went through quite a lot during that period of time um, yeah. to sort of fight and bring our bring our children into the world in so many ways. And yet, I'm so deeply grateful for the process. And yeah. um, I have to have had many times where I've actually had to go through and actually thank my body for all that it has gone through. I mean, it just, while it has been such a struggle and there were so many questions of doubt and shame, I think as I look back, I I kind of just have to bless like, wow, you have gone through a lot. Your body has, has bared a lot and you've endured a lot. Um, and so, just just trying to hold that in a place of kind of honor and thanksgiving.
0: Well, I love that you said that because I think there is such a tension for moms with their bodies because, yes, we've done this amazing thing of having a child or many children in my case. Seriously, yes. And then there's the other side of like what it has done to our bodies, which is kind of hard to accept sometimes to realize that, oh, I'm never going to fit into those jeans again. I am not going to be the same shape that I once was. Yes. And there's just a lot to navigate in how we feel about our bodies. So I love that you talked about honoring what your body has been through. Through And that is something that I, I had a conversation with a good friend of mine who is now a midwife and she delivers babies mm. all week long. She works with moms all the time. It was after the birth of my sixth baby, which for me was the hardest delivery. And for a full year maybe more uh, after he was born, my body was just so broken down in ways that I did not know that it could be broken down. Like it was hard for me to walk. And previously my fitness had all been centered around walking a certain number of miles a week. Mm. And I had been really successful with that for a season, but I couldn't even do that. And I was like, this is the most basic level of exercise and I can't even do it. And so I was talking with her And she just had said to me, she's like, Emily, you have to honor what your body has been through. And just because you can't do this form of exercise doesn't mean you won't ever be able to. But for now, your body is saying, we're not ready for this. And Mm. it was such a a balm to me because for those months, I was like, why can't I do this? I'm going to make it Mm -hmm. happen, you know. And um, just her words were really freeing for me, really, because I just, I think before that I hadn't given myself permission to acknowledge just how traumatized in a very physical way my body had been through that Mm. delivery. So is there a time that you have experienced something like that, where you just had to really check in with yourself and just see this is where my body is at right now?
3: Yes. Um, Before I do, I just wanted to say, Emily, I love that your friend said that to you. And I just I mean, the thought of you bringing six human beings into this world—I mean, just like uh, the—I mean, I just stand in awe and wonder of your body, you know. Just even as you say that, but I, yeah. So I had a moment where I kind of needed my my own talk of that sort. So we had our our third daughter, Charlotte, Mm -hmm. um, was born two months early, and when she was born, we found out that she had a congenital heart defect. And I had a traumatic delivery as well and um, kind of had a general anesthesia C-section kind of last minute and it was a pretty scary time. And so when I actually was discharged from the hospital before, you know, and then um, Charlotte was still in the NICU and she was, we stayed there for 58 days. Well, that first night that I got discharged, I... You know, just got in my recliner in the hospital chair, like I was gonna stay there all night because I mean, and you probably could relate. I mean, I couldn't even imagine the idea that I would leave my baby. I mean, it just right. it seemed like how would you leave, you know, this tiny, tiny baby alone in a NICU? And I was so I was just sitting in this recliner, and this nurse came in and she said, Rachel you cannot do this. Like You are going to be here for a long time and you cannot sleep in this recliner every night. One, you will not sleep. And two, she just said, your body, you're going to get an infection. You're going to overdo yourself and you'll end up in the hospital, back in the hospital and won't be able to hold your baby. And I know you want to hold your baby. And so... I really just looked at her and she looked at me with this. I mean, she had a sternness, but she had this kindness that I knew she was for me and I knew she was for my baby. And so I, the next night I would stay till about 10 and I left and I went to sleep at home and then my husband would do most of the night and then stay at the Ronald McDonald house. But it was just this moment where I needed to hear those words. I needed to know you have limitations and you cannot do this. Um, And you have to, you know, it's, it's some ways you have to kind of prepare for the long haul. Like in mothering, you know, it's like, we have to think about, you know, that we, it's not just kind of getting through the first year. It's like, we have to kind of maintain our bodies in some ways to to keep going and doing what we want to do with our children.
0: Yeah. Well, and it is such a tricky thing when I think, especially the first baby that you have, there is a huge shift and transition that happens between, you know, before that point, you're caring for yourself and you're caring for the growing baby that's inside you that's kind of part of yourself. And Mm -hmm. then, then it is that separation as the baby arrives and realizing that you have needs here in one hand where this baby is saying, I need to be fed, I need to be changed. And then I just feel like we forget about what our own bodies need because we're so consumed with that love. Oh, yes. so enamored with this experience that we've just had. And I think it can be so tricky to even figure out what it looks like to care for ourselves in that new season that new space and um for me like it's taken me a lot of babies <laughs> to realize mm. what i really need in my postpartum time and how long that recovery really takes because i think the first couple i really did bounce back pretty quickly i was really young and you know i was kind of on the go and ready to do things within a few days i was you know, going places to hang out with people, not just to like um, survive. Wow. And as the time has gone on, I just, I need more recoup time. I need more sleep yes. need to do less housework. And so um, part of caring for my body has come really with uh, hitting the walls. <laughs> that I'm like, I cannot do that. Okay. So I've learned, but I think part of what I wanted to explore in this episode is just that relationship between shame and strength. I think so many things cause us to feel shame about our bodies, uh, whether it's not being able to get back on our feet fast enough after a baby or whether it is just our relationship with food in our lives and pacifying our feelings with what we eat (laughs) or Mm -hmm. a lot of things that kind of feed that shame monster. And Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to talk about shame if you don't mind, um, because I think that you probably see this not only from your own experience, but from your, your counseling practice Oh, absolutely. Working with women. So I would love to talk about shame and what it is and how to break free from it.
3: Yes. I think that shame um, wants us to believe that we're somehow deficient. I think generally shame has to have eyes. You know, it's this feeling that we are seen as inept in some way. I think it really lodges in our bodies. And I think that the the danger of shame is it actually makes us want to further hide and isolate. So the very thing that we need in, you know, in order to tell our stories and to have connections is, is it actually takes us away. It takes us further away. And really robs us of joy. Um, so I just love the, the category for this podcast. I've just been um, really meditating on it. The idea that you contrast the word shame and strength or shame and courage. Because mm-hmm. I thought, oh, that's really the antithesis of shame. Is this sense not only of honoring our bodies and thanking our bodies, but also, um, the vulnerability of sharing those stories. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I would say that one way that shame really hits me that just the way, you know, the shape of my body is that I just tend to, after each of my babies, kind of my, my, I guess my uterine cavity, I guess would it is, it stays pretty extended for quite some time. And I know that's pretty normal. So I will get the question. I mean, it, six months, eight months, nine months, yeah. a year sometimes is, are you expecting? Yeah, And, um, you know, at first I've, I've kind of joked it off. I've, you know, I've kind of made this kind of shameful response of like, no, I'm just still hanging on to the next baby or, uh, or the last baby. But I think the last time, um, I was just walking through my neighborhood and I saw this, another woman, and she said in the kindest way. I mean, it was just really kind. She was really curious. She said, oh are you expecting another baby? Aww. And I just said, no. <laughs> and, um, but it ended up starting this great conversation. Yeah. And she just, she had talked about her grown children and how mothering changes our bodies. And we ended up just, we just stood and talked to each other for a few minutes. But I think it helped because I think if I'd wanted to hide, I would have just said, I'm going to hightail it past this woman, yeah, you know? And, and um, but instead I just kind of said, okay, this is, this is just where I'm at. And this is just what happens to my body. And this is just kind of a question that I get. And so um, it it was actually really helpful.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I had my own really sort of funny experience. Um, My daughter, who is our fifth born, she was less than a week old. I kid you not. (laughs) We're in a grocery store line at like Whole Foods and all of our kids are with us my husband is next to me holding the baby i am paying for our groceries and she asked me this is going are you going to have another baby soon <laughs> i was like you did not just say that oh my goodness <laughs> uh, which you know it was just so preposterous cuz i had just had her right it wasn't oh even my. like a month later or something but it's just one of those funny experiences we still laugh about it because It was just a wild month. Yes, I think you should probably not ask that question. If a woman is not offered that information, No, it's just probably a hole you don't want to step in.
3: Yes. (laughs) Anyway. Yes, but I think that we, I, I think so many of the women that I talk to that come into my office, they really feel the sense that they're supposed to have the baby and get the amazing newborn photos and, look like they haven't had a baby and i mean it's just there is so much pressure i think and so i think the more that we tell our stories of kind of what what does you know what does having a baby actually do to your body like i read this article it said there's 17 changes mm-hmm. that happen in a woman's body just from having a baby and it was everything from your teeth to your hair mm-hmm. to your bladder to your pelvic floor and i thought this is really validating. Like yes. nothing remains the same. You know? mm-hmm. It's just incredible what we actually go through. So I think the more that we talk about that and the more that we tell the story, the more it can disarm shame and expectations for women. Yeah. Yeah, I'm
0: a little bit nerdy about words. And so I looked up some definitions of shame, just straight mm, up. The good. And as I kept digging, because you know how there's always multiple answers there there it could be like this angle of shame that angle of shame but it said the painful feeling arising from the consciousness of something dishonorable improper ridiculous or some other words that were associated with it were disgrace humiliation Mm -hmm. guilt dishonor or to degrade which I also looked up (laughs) And Mm. it said lower indignity or estimation. And the Uh. more I read, the more I was like, no, no, we cannot accept this as Mm. the the lens through which we see our bodies, especially as mothers. Like it's not to say that we don't need to do something to nourish and regain wholeness and health and fitness and strength. Like I'm not discounting that at all but this lens these words that I'm reading out loud I was just kind of horrified for just every mom who feels that shame which has Mm. been me um, that I would Mm. allow myself to carry that and in contrast I also looked up strength which I just I'd love to break this open a little bit and maybe get some of your thoughts from your counseling background or maybe your own experience and kind of looking at Strength being, there are many ways to look at what it is. Obviously, there's the muscular power of being strong, um, but I also love these other words. Perseverance, discipline, commitment, mental force, resolve, power by reason of influence, authority, resources, Effective, force, and then some of the words related to that were toughness, durability, energy, fortitude, stability. And I just was like, yes, mothers are all these things. Even mothers whose bodies are broken down, they are persevering. They are tough. They are, in every way that they know how, are trying to be as stable and as resolved to bless their children as much as they can and so I guess for me it's kind of a no-brainer to be like how can we see the strength that we carry even if our bodies feel weak and do need repair and do need care and do need rest which they do mm-hmm. but that shame does not have to be the the thing that we carry
3: yes. I love Emily hearing just the fight in you because mm-hmm. I mean it's just this sense of it rising up like we we cannot we cannot name ourselves this way mm-hmm. um, and I think that's just beautiful you know it's like how can we dignify um, mothers in, mm-hmm. in in their strength and and I would add one more word mm-hmm. to that yeah. and it's kind of paradoxical is that I think that vulnerability is strength yes. And that as we um, kind of what you've created on kindred mom is that as we can actually speak honestly to our experiences and our limitations, that that too is, is a really deep strength Mm -hmm. that we bring. Um, It's a, it's a, as tender strength. And I think that that's so important.
0: Yeah, I, um, I love that you added that because vulnerability is one of those things that I just, I over the years have seen again and again and again, how vulnerability gives us so much. And there are times where maybe it's not the appropriate thing with someone who's not a safe person or, you know, there sure. are circumstances that are exceptions, but For the most part, every time I've ever been vulnerable about a story that I have experienced or with someone that I trust and value, it has always created deeper connections or led me to discoveries about myself or something else that have been really transformative for me. And so I love that you said that, and I agree. I would love for us to talk about food since that is something that we have to make decisions about every day and knowing that so many people, myself included, have struggled with having a healthy relationship with food and food being building blocks of nourishment and something that we do to sustain ourselves and more of a thing that's more like an escape or a reward or... Um, I don't know. There's just some things in there I'd love to jump into if you
3: have thoughts. Yes. I actually wrote my piece about that this mm-hmm. month. Um, so I think that a couple things come to mind. First um, is that I love your words, nur- uh, nourishment and sustenance. Mm-hmm. And I. Um, what I have noticed is that um, when, as a mother, especially in the early child phase, is that I I really crave sweet, warm foods. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I I spend a lot of time getting a decaf peppermint mocha from Starbucks, <laughs> and while I'm nursing, and I think the thing is, it it almost feels like a cup of love to me, like this sense of. I have been pouring out and I want something to give back to me and, and and honestly it I I've learned to kind of bless that that is something good in me I think the problem is is trying to to notice when my longing and need and desire is more complex and that the the peppermint mocha tastes really really good and for the first you know 30 minutes as I'm kind of I'm kind of smelling it and um, just kind of breathing it in. And that's so good. But then I have to say, okay, what is it that I'm really longing for? A lot of times it's kind of my own mothering. It's this own sense of kind of being taken care of. And so what I've tried to do, and I think that this is true of a lot of women, is actually believing that I deserve good nourishing food that I can actually take the time to sit down, to enjoy the texture of my food, the color of my food, um, the taste of my food, because it's, we're so used to just scarfing down food and trying to get, you know, kids fed. I can't even imagine your dinner table. <laughs> I, six you children. Oh, I would love to hear about it. <laughs> but I mean, just to, to try to do that. And it's not always possible, but But when I can, I'm like, let me pick a pretty plate and put some food on it and really believe that I, I can do this too. And it actually really matters.
0: No, I love that. No, we are kind of in a season because of my health diagnosis and pregnancy and just physical limitations to simplify things over here. And so we have been using paper plates about one meal a day. But even when I serve my kids a meal on paper plates, I always use a real plate. Mm,
3: (laughs) That's so good.
0: I like this porcelain plate and I'm going to use it and I can wash one plate. I don't have to wash seven. <laughs> I can I wash love one. That. And I also, um, just probably about two years ago, I started buying groceries for myself that I do not share with my kids. I do cook their meals at home mm-hmm. almost, I would say, 95% of the time. So they're getting healthy home cooked meals, but I found that some of the things that I enjoy that are on the healthier side that aren't like convenient snacks or something that's just on the go are things that are a little bit more expensive, whether it's a fancy cheese or I have right now, um there is an organic salami that is uncured at Costco that is like my favorite thing in the entire so world. Good. I
3: have to get the name. And I do not care
0: <laughs> even a bite. I'm like, I'm sorry, this is my special that. thing. And and I get them their own special snacks and things that they enjoy as well. But I used to feel really bad for having even a small, you know, sliver of something that I wouldn't share with them. Mm. And now I'm just like, this is part of, it helps me to make, like, I have kind of this recipe for an on the go breakfast because we are on the go a lot of the time and I have pretzel crisps and cashews and apple slices with my um, mm. Beecher's flagship cheese and my salami. And it's like, it's a pretty well-rounded meal. It if you ask so me, good. I just put it, I put it all in a bowl and I just take it in the car when we're leaving. Ah. And um, so it's just one of those things. It's, it's very quirky, but it has definitely helped me to not eat a bowl of cereal or yes. um, sugar sugar laden oatmeal <laughs> um, on the way out
3: the door. Yes. And so um, I love that those are are just, high quality food, you know, and I love yes. salami too, just the salt, <laughs> saltiness yes. and savory flavor of salami. It's it is so good. Well,
0: and I just think that, you know, food is one of those things that it doesn't have to be a dry bland drudgery to eat well and to eat healthy. But I have really struggled over the years to choose what is healthy or what would be um, offering me anything in the way of nutrition, just because yes. for so long it was, oh, I'll just eat the last few chicken nuggets that were left on my toddler's plate. Yes. Or, you know, just really putting myself at the end of the line, which I know just is part of motherhood in some seasons and sometimes, but I also just think that, you know, taking some time to plan the food that is nourishing and satisfying for you is not a bad idea.
3: Yes. Um, I wanted to mention one other thing too, is that with food, I think what I've noticed is that sometimes my deeper need is still a need of my body, but it's not necessarily food. And so I found that some days I need light um, some days I mm-hmm. need movement. some days I need rest. So the other day, I just realized that I really needed light. And so just a few extra minutes in the car with the sunshine mm-hmm. just coming down through the window on my skin, it actually was really helpful. Like I was like, oh, like I I've been kind of inside. I've been doing dishes, I've been cleaning, I've been taking care of my kids and I'm like, I just really needed light. And so, I've just noticed that if we can be, just take that moment to be curious um, about Mm -hmm. okay, what does my body need? Um, I think that that is just a really kind question.
0: I think that one of the things that I loved about looking at those definitions of strength and shame was just there is one of them that had to do with identifying strength as an effective force, which I've just kind of been thinking that over in my mind that I do have the power to change the course of our day. That doesn't mean that I can make everything at all times be in my perfect control or the way I would want it, but that I do have a lot of say in how things are going and, you know, just seeing that the power of our decisions and the influence that we have over the circumstances in front of us, you know, when we can shed that shame off of our shoulders and make more proactive choices for our rest and our food and The things even that we just tell ourselves in our minds about our bodies or our value, that that is a very
3: powerful thing. Yes. I just wanted to tell you, Emily, that I have loved this conversation. I think it's such an important conversation. And I, I really love the idea of empowerment in the decisions that we make as a way to push against shame and then the idea of vulnerability and disarming shame. And then I really like the idea of gratitude. Um, Gratitude, you know, and and even if each day we can just kind of just really thank our bodies for kind of what it's done today you know thanking our hands for for the little ones we've lifted up and just the rhythms that we go through in our day as mothers and I think just blessing our bodies I think that goes a long long way
0: well thank you so much for being here Rachel and I'd love to give you an opportunity just to quickly share where people can find you online although they know they can go over to the kindred mom blog and find some stuff about you over there but please tell us
3: Yes. So, um, you can find me at rachelblackston.com information about myself, my counseling practice. Um, I do offer intensives, counseling intensives. Um, if you think that that would be something that you would be, any of our listeners might be interested in kind of doing some deeper work in this area. And, um, you could, yes, you can find out more information there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here and we'll catch up later. Thank you so much for having me, Emily.